Welcome, everyone, to the CFF Commissioner's Corner Podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needleman. I'm joined in studio this evening, as always, by my co-host and CFF expert, Mr. Jeremy Butterball Van Curen. Butterball, how are we doing this evening, bud? I'm doing good, man. How about yourself? Doing well. It's kind of a cold, rainy, dreary night here in Oklahoma City on this, uh, what, second day of December, bud. So, but uh, I guess it's that time of year, right? Lots of freezing rain, for sure. Absolutely. So, got to keep an eye on the weather this evening. But uh, along those lines, we got a lot of college football to talk about as well, Butter. So, we've got, uh, unfortunately, COVID cancellations and postponements and uh, uh, player opt-outs, bowl cancellations, the whole nine yards. It's going to be difficult to field a... I guess what I would consider a starting lineup for CFF purposes that you probably feel confident about right now, but we're going to try to help navigate our listeners through that because it's playoff time, right? It might even be championship week for for a lot of fantasy leagues, uh, uh, perhaps our league included, and we'll talk about that and so much more, Butter. But before we get into it, as always, my friend, we have to give some love to our sponsor, and of course, that's Chalk Sports Bar. Chalk is Oklahoma City's premier luxury sports bar located in Chisholm Creek Plaza at 1324 West Memorial Road. Follow Ben, Chad, and the whole Chalk team on the web at chalkokc.com or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at chalkokc. It's the best damn sports bar in Oklahoma, and there's no better place to have a conversation about college football and watch all the games on the dozens of big screens at Chalk. Always the favorite, that's Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. The best damn sports bar, period. Well, brother, I guess before we really get into the college football recap and news, we got to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving, man. How was Thanksgiving, bud? So, did you eat, eat too much turkey, right? That's kind of always how it goes. I actually uh, had, let's see, turkey on Thursday and then turkey on Sunday as well. Nice. And then uh, leftovers in between. So <laughs> Tough to beat, man. So, the uh, it, it's the food mecca time of the year, I guess, in that regard. So, yeah, I went, went back and saw my folks. Ate way too much, um, you know. Try try to try to get a deer, man. So I was out in the deer deer cabin uh, or or deer stand uh, for for hours on end. Unfortunately, never saw anything, but I guess that's the way it goes. But I was able to come back and watch some college football on Friday afternoon and on Saturday as well. And I guess where do we want to start, Butter? So do we want to start with the Iron Bowl, Alabama crushing Auburn, right? Uh, I think the unanimous number one team in college football right now, forty two thirteen. This was just kind of a butt kicking from the start, right? Yeah, I mean. Um Auburn couldn't really do anything uh, offensively or defensively, and Alabama uh, did did what what they needed to to uh, like you said crush them. Um, you know, I mean, Mac Jones had a really good game. Devontae Smith had a very good game. Najee Harris had a good game. I mean, uh, Alabama was just uh, firing on all cylinders uh, offensively and defensively, and you know, I mean, Bo Nix. I mean, they had pressure on him all day. Um, I mean, they couldn't run the ball, throw the ball, and they, they could not stop that uh, Alabama offense. Yeah, the Alabama offense is a well-oiled machine right now. But, Butter, I'll tell you, I was impressed with that Alabama defense, man. So, you know, you think back to, what, five, six weeks ago, whatever it's been now, that night down in Oxford against Ole Miss, right, uh, the lane train, they they mm-hmm. give up 48 points, whatever it was. You know, Alabama wins the game because I think they pretty much scored every damn possession that they had, you know, 63-48 or whatever it was. But there were so many questions about that Alabama defense, and it's like, hey, look, I don't know that that offense may be national championship caliber, but I don't know about the defense. But from that game on, that defense has figured some shit out, and they've been yes. playing some damn good football, right? Well, and another thing you got to think about as well, you know, I mean, Nick Saban wasn't even at the game on the sidelines. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, 
was actually calling the plays and was the head coach for that game. So they did not miss a beat. I mean, yeah, you got to think about <clears throat> from Sarkeesian's perspective as well. I mean, obviously he's been a head coach in the past and had some issues that at USC and uh, was kind of on the naughty list there for a while. Has he you know, paid his dues right to the college football world and, and, and is he ready to be a head coach again? He's definitely going to be a name uh, that I'm sure will come up uh, for, for whenever the – coaching carousel gets going uh, in in full earnest here in probably a few short weeks after the uh, the regular season kind of finishes up but that'll be something to keep an eye on but let's rewind back to Friday afternoon butter uh, Notre Dame on the road at North Carolina looked like it could potentially be one of those trap games right that North Carolina North Carolina offense had looked so good excuse me that there was thoughts that eh, maybe this might be a little closer but impressive performance by Notre Dame really after the first quarter, I mean, Notre Dame kind of they, – they figured some things out and really kind of put the clamps down on a really, really good North Carolina offense, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of one of those things, you know. I mean, um, Notre Dame's in the ACC this year. I mean, uh, and they are, they're actually playing um, a conference conference schedule, which, you know, I mean, typically Notre Dame does not do that. But, man, I mean, give, it, give them props, you know. I mean, they have fared a lot better than what I thought they would – you know, I mean, uh, just think a couple weeks ago they they beat uh, beat Clemson. So I mean, they're in the driver's seat to be in the ACC championship game. Well, I guess they're officially there now with some of those tweaks, right? So they even if they lose this weekend, they they are essentially one of the two participants, I guess. And, so, yeah, I mean. I'm assuming that they're playing Clemson. Yeah, you have to think that Clemson's going to take care of business this weekend at Virginia Tech, and uh, and that will be the matchup or the rematch um, that uh, everybody wants to see in that ACC championship game on December 19th. And I'm with you. I'm sure that's that's what we'll get. But coming back to our conference, Butter, um, Texas-Iowa State on Friday, that was a pretty good game as well. Again, another close loss for the Longhorns, probably a game that Texas should have won. Oh, you and I picked them to win last yes. week, and so that one week we kind of got wrong, I guess, uh, despite the fact that I think we we both thought it would be a close game and it played out that way, but and you got to give Matt Campbell and Iowa State credit, right? So. Yeah, I mean, uh, we were just on the wrong end of that one, you know. I mean, um, and like I said, I mean, it came down to the last uh, possession of the game, you know. I mean, I think uh, Dicker the kicker uh, missed a 57 or 50. It was a long – he had the leg. Yeah, long kick. But yeah. I, I think it went wide wide left, left just, yeah. just mm-hmm. outside the crossbar, which, you know, I mean, um, that's kind of been the problem with uh, Texas all year long. You know, I mean, they get in close games and they're about 50-50 winning them. Um, against OU, they weren't able to win that game. But against Texas Tech, they were. I mean, um, they, they just get themselves kind of in a hole and they kind of get, get, get themselves in a dogfight. And, um, you know, I mean, half the time they win, half the time they don't. But Sam Ellinger, you know, I mean, he drove him down the field the last drive of the game because, I mean, honestly, it looked like it was over. But then uh, he drove him down the field, and then he took a costly sack, which he probably should have threw the ball away because um, it it kind of knocked him out of field goal range. Yeah, that was a, a big-time costly uh, mistake there by, by Ellinger. And a kid that – doesn't make a ton of mistakes throughout the course of a game, right? So again, one of the uh, uh, the better college football players that we've seen in recent years. But you know, I talked with our guy Chad Ford on the uh, BBSBC pod earlier today, and obviously he's a resident Longhorn. You know, our our, uh, our Longhorn here at the Sports Pros Network, and we we were talking, you know, about Tom Herman. Is it time to move on? Right, his fourth fourth year probably been a disappointment, I think, in most Texas fans and uh, opinion. And so Chad. 
was of the opinion that yes, they should, but he doesn't necessarily know that they will kind of in this COVID year, the optics about, you know, a buyout and all the things that kind of go into that. But I think he probably represents most Texas fans and that they're probably ready to part ways. But, uh, you know, it always raises the question as to, well, who do you go get, right? Texas is obviously one of the blue blood programs. You think about money, facilities, recruiting base. They've got everything to be successful, and it'll attract some big names, right? We keep hearing Urban Meyer is is one of them that kind of comes out. But who who do you think that they would go after, Butter, assuming that they do part ways with Tom Herman at the end of the season? Man, you know, I mean, I would really have to wait and see if that happens. I mean, uh, a guy that always comes up for big-name jobs, and which, I mean, he hasn't left yet, would be Matt Campbell of Iowa State. I mean, I don't know if he would uh, – I don't know if he would go to Texas if they if it was offered to him, but I mean, that's a guy that uh, would be on a lot of people's lists. Another guy, uh, Sonny is is Sonny Cumbie that's at uh, SMU. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, no, no, that's a, that's a uh, Dykes, right? Dykes. So yeah, yeah, Dykes. yeah. That would be another one that I would think would be high up on that list. Chad mentioned a Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. Is that that, that would Man, be at the that, top of his list from a wish list standpoint? That would not be a bad pick either. I mean, um, then you also got to think about uh, the guy from Coastal Carolina. I mean, uh, yeah, fantastic job! Absolutely, yes, I, I can't think, undefeated yes. in Coastal Carolina. Right? I mean, now. I think yeah. uh, I think he'll get listed for some jobs. You know, um, you know, I mean, another job that's that's open right now uh, is uh, South Carolina. I mean, I think. I think uh, Beamer from OU is getting Shane Beamer is getting a, a his good, names come up quite a, a good bit. solid yeah. look at that at that gig. Man, I mean, it's just tough to say until it happens. You know, I I would think that with the way that it's been this year, I mean, I would think that he gets one more year. But you know, I mean, the donors down at Texas have a lot of money and they don't like to lose. And um, you know, I mean, we've seen it with uh, whenever Charlie Strong was uh, was down there. I mean, like we were talking about like how big his buyout was, but they didn't bat an eye. They paid it. <laughs> it's true. Oil prices were a little better back then yeah. as well. Though. So, so that might, might kind of factor into it. And so we'll keep an eye on that, but uh, yeah, definitely some turmoil down there. And again, just not, not the success that uh, I think UT expects, uh, especially whenever they made that hire, uh, what, four years ago now. So, but well, you mentioned Shane Beamer, uh, you mentioned uh, OU there, and I guess we got to walk into uh, all these COVID postponements and cancellations, Butter. And so OU, they had their first issue last weekend, right, with West, the West Virginia game being postponed. And again, should be played on December 12th, uh, assuming that nothing kind of uh, gets squirrely on that front right now. But I think there's some questions about whether OU is going to be able to play the Baylor game uh, this coming weekend. Right? I think that there's some issues on the program uh, from COVID number standpoint. I don't know that if the game was going to be played tomorrow – that it would be able to be played better, kind of given the numbers in that program right now. But you know, you think about some other squads that's being affected right now, and maybe the most pertinent from this this college football season as it as it kind of stands would probably be Ohio State. Obviously, they had another game canceled last week, last minute against Illinois. They're on schedule to play Michigan State this week, but the news just broke a few hours ago before we started this pod that Michigan and Maryland is off due to COVID numbers in the Michigan program. And obviously, that big game uh, is next week, the weekend of December 12th. And wouldn't it be ironic if Michigan is unable to play in that game and it ends up costing Ohio State a place in the Big Ten Championship and, more importantly, the college football playoff. But your thoughts on all of this? And, man, we're limping to the finish line here, bud. <laughs> so are we going to get it in? You know, I mean, it's kind of one of those things that you really have to take a close look at. You know, I mean, um, if 
if Ohio State does not cannot cannot play these games and they aren't Big Ten champions and they don't have an opportunity to play, do they deserve to go to some of these bowls where like a I mean I mean a a, a team that's nine and two I mean has played eleven games has sacrificed and 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 played the needed games you know I mean then and that's something that I think we're gonna have like it's gonna be havoc now all the way to the end of the year um you know I mean that's uh one of those things you know I mean you talk about uh, Michigan postponing all their activities I mean I I think that game right there is is more in jeopardy of not being played than you know I mean the Buckeyes versus uh Michigan State and heck heck it's two weeks down the road you know yeah, in, in the lag time. And again, the Big Ten kind of put themselves in this position. We've mm-hmm. talked about it at length over the last few few weeks or two months on this pod about, you know, they left them, themselves zero room for error. They put in some really stringent protocols and procedures for holding players out once they've tested positive. Right? I think it's 21, 21 days, days or yeah, something like yeah. that. And so, yeah, I mean, they, they, they've – it's hard to say that, you know, they have no one to blame for themselves because I don't think this is a is – a, a situation to where you're looking to place blame on it. But, you know, I, I think it is going to be a quandary for the college football playoff committee, you know, in a couple of weeks or two and a half weeks time that, you know, how do you compare, let's say for instance, a nine and one Texas A&M team whose mm-hmm. only loss is to probably the number one team in the country, Alabama versus let's say a five and O or a six and O Ohio state team that, you know, probably doesn't have the marquee wins and has has that strength of schedule, right? Although, from an eye test standpoint, arbitrarily, everybody just thinks Ohio State's one of the top four teams in the country. But it gets into that discussion or that debate, I should say, about is it do you pick the four best teams or do you pick the four most deserving teams, right? And so, right. how do you balance out those resumes? And yeah, it's a shitty year to be on that uh, playoff committee. Yes. I think is the one way to sum it up, man. So. I well, mean, but, uh, I, I would think like if if they don't get the the opportunity to play in the um, the Big Ten title game, I would think that they should not have a shot at the at at going to the playoff. I mean, I, I, they they could win, you know. I mean, two more games, which I mean they they for sure have to win two more games to get to get to the playoff. Correct. I mean, I just I don't I don't think it's going to happen for them. <laughs> Yeah, it, they are they are tenuous at best. And again, they come out; they were still ranked number four by the playoff committee this this past week. But it'll be interesting to keep an eye on it to see how that might change or evolve as teams continue to lap them in terms of games and in terms, arguably, of quality wins. Because again, you know, unfortunately for Ohio State, that Penn State win doesn't look so hot anymore. Again, they looked a little shaky at the end against Indiana, despite Indiana be, probably being the best win on their schedule. Uh, thus far, and then if they don't get to play Michigan, who Michigan's been a shit show this year anyways, it wouldn't have really been a super impressive win, um, assuming that they even get to play that game. It's like, yeah, they're kind of running out of chances. So they needed that Big Ten championship game and to play somebody highly ranked from the West on that front. And so, so yeah, the, the, I think they're tenuous at best. I mean, even if they do get to play Michigan State and Michigan, as it sets right now, their marquee win is Indiana. Everybody else, I mean – that's it. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> and, again, how, how would you balance that out against a Texas A&M squad that, that's got a win over Florida, right? So it's going to have wins over, you know, other SEC teams in the schedule. And, again, that one loss, it was an ugly loss, right? And certainly certainly no no doubt about it. Uh, Alabama kicked their butts. But Alabama's 
kicked a lot of people's butts this year, right? So, so yeah, something to keep an eye on, and that's going to be uh, uh, interesting to debate uh, and monitor here over the coming weeks. I mean, and that's another thing that I was – you bring up debate, you know. I mean, so I, I'm saying this right now. Even if Ohio State is able to play their next two games and compete in the Big Ten Championship, I still think that, like, Cincinnati – and BYU are more impressive than than Ohio State. I will say this, Butter. If if Ohio State thumps Michigan State this weekend, if they are able to play Michigan and thump them, and then they get either Northwestern or Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship and win that game, they I think they'll be in the playoff. I think it really boils down to do they lose that Michigan game due to COVID and thus not qualify – uh, per the rules that the Big Ten put in place at the beginning of their you know startup of their season, and they don't qualify for the Big Ten championship. And even then, they still likely in that kind of how they paired up championship weekend, they're going to probably still play Northwestern uh, or Wisconsin because uh, it'll be kind of the two second-place team versus a second-place team the way that they've got that final week set up. But I think not being able to claim that you're the conference champion, even if it's under goofy, arbitrary rules – I think will be a, a strike against them. And it wouldn't shock me as if they drop from fourth to fifth, maybe in that final playoff ranking, mm-hmm. if that's how it all kind of plays out. So, um, yeah, definitely going to keep an eye on that. It's going to be fun to argue over. But, but are we got to talk about, kind of bring it back a little bit to the CFF perspective, I guess. And the question I, I pose for you here is Jarrett Patterson human? I mean, my goodness, the, the Buffalo – Running back this past weekend against uh, uh, what was a marquee game there in the MAC? I think yeah, they were playing Kent State. Kent State. Was, Kent they were State both undefeated. undefeated. Yes. Yeah, they're both three and zero, four and zero, whatever it was going into that game, and so it was a big game for their conference championship hopes. And he did not disappoint. Over four hundred yards, eight touchdowns, butter, and I think in our league he ended up being worth ninety one points. From a fantasy that's, perspective, which I've, of. <laughs> I would have to rack my brain. We've been running our fantasy league butter for 16 years now, and I don't think that we've ever had anyone break 80, let alone 90. And so that was an all-time fantasy football performance. But you know, is this is he going to is he making a name for himself to where he's going to get drafted at this point? Right? I mean, these are numbers that you can't really ignore, despite you know what might people might perceive as a you know, level of competition isn't isn't the SEC, and yeah, that's fine. But man, to be able to do that at the D one college football level, that's pretty incredible, right? I mean, I know he's had yards, and he's been a a pretty good running back up until this point. But man, I mean, he's one of those guys that's not even he's not even on a roster right now. Yeah, well, in our league, yeah, he's not because you know we didn't know if the MAC was going to play yeah. right, so he he was cut. I think I think maybe Ben Mason had him, if I'm not mistaken, kind of coming into the season. It's like, well. The Max not going to play. I'm not, I'm not going to take up the roster spot. I'm going to cut him, right? But, yeah, he's unaccounted for. You're right, in our league. And uh, probably the case in a lot of leagues. But, man. He, he, he could probably be a top-ten pick for sure next year. Well, yeah. I mean, that's assuming if he comes back, I think, yeah. at this point. So, yeah, just, he is just junior, incredible. Right? I, I believe so, yeah. An incredible performance. Uh, again, probably an all-time performance from a fantasy standpoint, right? You go back and maybe measure some performances that Barry Sanders had before you know, we were playing college fantasy football at the time, and so I'm sure that there would be some stat lines that would match up. But I mean, that that was that was incredible, and I think I think I had him in the pod pick him last week, butter, which might have might have got me a victory over you, if I'm not not mistaken. We'll talk a little bit more about well, that here in a moment. Yeah, I mean, you think about uh, the 400 yards and the eight touchdowns. I mean, you think some R.J.P. Ryan. I mean, he actually holds the record, and I think Melvin Gordon is in third, I believe. 
Yeah, four. So, what what uh, P Ryan that day against Kansas had four twenty six or something like that. Yeah, four. It was yeah, little little newer. I think I think Patterson ended up with four oh eight. I think was his final but tally. That yeah. game against Kansas, if you recall, it was a monsoon, muddy ass mess. Yep, I do. I, mean, was, I definitely remember it being rainy. Uh, well, again, just an incredible performance. Uh, ha- had to be noted here on the CFF Commissioner's Corner podcast. Uh, we would have been derelict in our duties had we not mentioned that incredible superhuman performance. <laughs> but, you know, I guess you know one more game on the board that we want to talk about before we talk a little bit about CFF playoffs, Butter. Uh, Northwestern, right, they, they had that Cinderella season. It was all coming together. They were going to Michigan State. Michigan State's probably not very good this year, and they piss it all away. And we we called it, right? So we had saying, hey, look, you probably want to take Michigan State here. Wouldn't shock us if they win the game straight up, and I'll be damned if that's not what happened. Again, Northwestern falls behind early. They claw back. They tie the game up at late at one point, 20-20, and then just can't make enough plays down the stretch. But uh, disappointing, right? I think we like to root for Pat Fitzgerald, and he seems like a good guy and a guy that you'd want to play for. But uh, – Tough break for them, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, turnovers in this game killed them. And, uh, you know, I mean, I watched uh, some of this game before the uh, the Mike Tyson-Jones uh, fight, you know. Uh, that was the game that was on. And, uh, you know, I mean, like I said, I'm a big Pat Fitzgerald fan. But, I mean, they, those guys just uh, – they just had a bad game. They, they were off. And, you know, I mean, Michigan State, I mean – their defense, it seemed like, came to play that last week. So, I mean, Michigan State's one of those uh, schizo teams, man. They're like, so you don't, you don't know which team's going to show up. Right? Like, it's so, like right, a trap that, game. Yes, <laughs> yeah. It's like they're they they would be terrifying uh, to play. In which, obviously, Ohio State's going up against them this week. And so, you know, if you're going back and forth on kind of whether they're good or whether they're bad, they'll probably be bad this week. And Ohio State will thump them, assuming they get to play that game. But uh, uh, yeah, definitely uh, one of those schizo teams. But I, I got to get your opinion on this butter those green that neon green on green michigan state uni that that's fucking hideous that's one of the ugliest uni combos that i think i've seen in the last 10 years in oregon and oklahoma state right we're used to seeing some ugly uni combos what oklahoma state trots out here in this state uh, oregon in particular as well but that's ugly right yeah i mean like and i think it just said state across oh, the, it's so terrible yeah, yeah. And, and then another one that you mentioned oregon well, uh, Oregon lost to Oregon State. Yeah, big and, one. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, uh, Oregon State's uniforms, they didn't, they didn't, I guess they couldn't afford to put beavers on the front, so they put beeves. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it was good that both Oregon State and Oregon were playing in neon jerseys, right? Oregon State uh, kind of neon orange and uh, Oregon neon yellow uh, because that was kind of a fog bow uh, late Saturday night there. That was kind of fun to watch. I kind of flipped that one over and was watching that one late. Uh, or that, that was Friday night. It was Friday nights whenever yes. they played, I think, right? That's right. And, uh, uh, yeah, that was kind of fun to watch. And, yeah, big big win for Oregon State there, kind of getting that touchdown um, at the in the last uh, 30 seconds of the game and stuff. So so big rivalry win uh, there for the Beavs on that one. But, but we got to talk about CFF playoffs, right? So there were some leagues that kind of wrapped up and actually finished up last week, and so that was kind of the last regular season week. Uh, one of those was a kind of fellow CFF expert and podcaster extraordinaire, uh, Joe DeSalvo. Um, I was actually in his league. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of, it was supposed to be a four-in-one league and it ended up being two-in-one with all the COVID issues and all that stuff. And so finished fourth, man, out of, I don't know, 80, 90-something uh, other CFF experts. So I feel oh, so is it done? It's done. It's officially done. So finished fourth there. So now pretty pretty uh, proud of myself for the first year kind of being into Salvo's league. And, again, he does a fantastic job. I and mean, we buy his preseason rankings and magazine 
um, that he puts out, you know, June or July every single season. So he does a fantastic job. But want to want to give him a shout out there. Is he uh, doing a bowl deal this year? I'm sure he will. I don't know. Okay. So I, obviously, if we have enough bowl games <laughs> to get to, kind of fingers crossed yeah. uh, that uh, that we're able to have enough to justify uh, kind of having one of those uh, games and uh, his uh, uh, expertise and opinion on that. But uh, in our league, butter. The CFFL that we've been putting on for the last 16 years, we're down to the second leg of our cumulative playoff. Again, we kind of take two weeks, I guess, and uh, the highest scoring teams of the one versus four, two versus three game uh, ends up moving on to the championship, which typically is decided by the bowl games. Again, we've got some contingencies in place, assuming that enough bowl games get canceled, uh, that we won't do that this year. But the top two seeds... They hold serve, right? So uh, our guy Barrett Hartman, again, part of the Sports Pros Network. You, you're familiar with that name from listening to the uh, the soccer pod, the Yankee Wankers. He's a he's a soccer uh, expert uh, as well as CFF expert. He he holds a tenuous lead, what twenty three points, give or take, anything over can Chad happen, Volk, right? One hundred fifty one to one twenty eight uh, was pretty much the score in that one. And then our guy Brady Miller uh, is the number two seed in our league. He holds a one Oh seven to 82 lead, uh, over our guy Ivanovsky, uh, after the, uh, the first legs. And so, um, definitely going to be interesting to see what happens in the second legs coming up this week. Again, those guys are being impacted by some COVID issues. Uh, I think our guy, Chad Volk, uh, he was going to go with, uh, Malik Willis from Liberty. And obviously he's a, he's a scratch now doing, uh, uh due to COVID uh, issues and testing positive. So he's going to go back to Justin Fields. Uh, but it would seem like, the matchups favor probably both of those two top seeds moving on, right? So probably Barrett and Brady is what we're looking at. But do you you maybe see an upset in the works here, Butter? What what are your thoughts on this? Man, I mean, I think uh, Volk and 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 Barrett. I mean, I think the second leg of theirs is definitely going to be really exciting because you know, I mean, looks like Volk's going to get Max Borgie back this week too. Yes. So that's huge, right? And I mean, he actually might get Justin Fields back if. Uh, but I mean, it's it's going to be a toss up between these two guys this week um, because I mean, you got Justin Fields versus Trevor Lawrence, um, then you got Devontae Smith versus um, Shy Smith. Um, it, it just kind of depends, like if South Carolina if they come out and um, and run the ball like they have, or if uh, they come out and throw it. Which I mean, who knows? With uh, they're without their head coach, so I mean, who knows? what kind of team that they're going to – what team you're going to see on Saturday versus yeah, Kentucky. Yeah, the, the mental state of those players, too, is get, you get got to question that, right? So they lose their coach. Obviously, it's been a shitty year uh, for South Carolina. But uh, Shy Smith and then the running back, Kevin Smith, I mean, that's been kind of their, their two main stalwarts. And so it does seem like uh, Shy Smith is going to play – He's been practicing, seems to have passed a, a concussion protocol, so he should be out there. But that Kentucky defense has been pretty stout, so maybe not the best matchup, although Alabama and Florida have kind of <laughs> kicked it to them the last two weeks. But those are two pretty good offenses, I guess, so I don't know that we want to gauge them necessarily by their performances there. But uh, what about the other leg, Butter? So what about Brady and, and Ivanovsky? Again, Ivanovsky has been somewhat hampered by uh, COVID uh, issues and injuries due to some quarterbacks, and so he's going to have to roll out Spencer Sanders again, which you know wasn't terrible um, uh, the, the past week. But to Brady, man, Kyle Trask, Travis Etienne, um, you know, he, he's got a good matchup with Daz Newsome against Western Carolina at UNC this week. And so um, would seem to be the favorite here. But are, are you are you sniffing out an upset here, bud? Man, I mean, if uh, if Heismanberg has to play the Baylor defense versus Oklahoma and, and that game happens, um, 
I think he probably ought to play Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, he got Notre Dame against Syracuse, so he might might want to uh, swap that out. Ivo, if you're listening to this, I'll, I'll get a hold of you this week. So. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, uh, Brady's got two players that I like to that I've picked multiple times: Kyle Trask, a uh, Florida, and Travis uh, Etienne. Um, I mean, I'd have to kind of give give the lean to Brady on this one, but. You know, I mean, it's fantasy football. Who who knows? Anything um, can happen. You're at right. 20, 23 of 24 points. I mean, that's not insurmountable in a given week. So, that, that can definitely be overturned. But so. then, uh, you know, I mean, Heisenberg's also got Calvin Austin and Najee Harris, which is uh, two guys that, that I've picked uh, on our pick em, Yep. So. You can't can't count out the Wiley veterans as well. So, Ivanovsky, he's he's won the championship before, and so has Chad Volk, right? So, they both won at one time. So, that they, uh, that you can't count out that experience. Uh, Brady and Barrett going for their first championship. So, so yeah, definitely fun. Again, obviously, that that's our league, right? So everybody wants to talk about their fantasy league and stuff. So we got to squeeze that in to give some love to our guys that are uh, playing uh, in our fantasy uh, playoff uh, this week. And, again, going to finish up this week, and we'll see what happens with the bowl games after that. So, well, Butter, let's jump into the real college football action. I guess CFB as opposed to CFF and make some picks for our listeners this week in – it's getting tougher each week to, to make these picks, brother, So because we don't really know what's going to happen, who's going to be available, and, uh, and which games might get canceled or be late scratches due to some COVID issues. But the first game that I've got on the board, my friend, I would classify it as maybe the, uh, the G5 game of the year, but it's Liberty at Coastal Carolina. So Liberty coming in at 9-1 has, has had a tremendous season against uh, an undefeated and ranked, I think uh, 18th, I think is what Coastal Carolina's ranked this week, uh, a team that's just uh, been absolutely fantastic, right? Grayson McCall, the quarterback there, has done a fantastic job. Unfortunately for Liberty, uh, news broke earlier today that Malik Willis, he's going to be out. He has tested positive for COVID. He won't be a part of this game. And so the line here has moved, uh, has moved significantly. <laughs> so Coastal Carolina was a six-and-a-half-point favorite whenever we posted this on our board. Uh, that's all the way up to 11, 11-and-a-half 11 now. But probably have to lean with the Chanticleers on this one now, right, Butter? Yeah, I mean, uh, with Malik Willis not playing, um, you know, I mean, Liberty becomes a totally different football team. I mean, you're taking away a quarterback that uh, can pretty much do it all. I mean, he can throw the ball. He can run the ball. Um, pretty much kind of the heart and soul of that team. And so, I mean, it's a it's a bad deal for Liberty. You know, I mean, uh, with with him not playing uh, due to the due to COVID, you know. Um, you know, I mean, it, it, I figured if, if he would have played, I mean, I think it would have been a shootout. But in this one right here, I'm going to have to go with Coastal Carolina and I'm going to have to go with him covering the points. I, I – Expected to be like a 42-21 ball game. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I like a Coastal Carolina to cover now because, I mean, yeah, you can't you can't just necessarily replace your leading passer and leading rusher, right? And Malik Willis was that for <laughs> both of those uh, for Liberty, and so yeah, I just don't. You know, I'm, whoever the backup is, and I, I don't know off the top of my head right here is we're we're kind of going through these uh, these lines, but uh, yeah, he's got a tall task ahead of him uh, because that uh, that Coastal Carolina team's played good football, and so yeah, I'm with you. I would go with the Chanticleers on this one, but. We got to go to our team, Butter. Again, I think this game is tenuous as to whether it even takes place at this point. Saturday night down in Norman should be senior day. So, again, I hope it does take place, uh, even though it's not going to be the same with uh, not as many fans in the stands. But OU favored in this one by 22, 22 and a half. The total 63 and a half. Baylor just not not quite as good in year one uh, under Dave Aranda as what they were under Matt Rule the last couple of seasons. You would assume that barring any major players missing the game for OU, that OU will win this game, but are they going to cover the spread, Butter? 
Man, honestly, um, I like Oklahoma at home. Our key players are playing. If we don't have any people that are that test positive for COVID, I like them to win this ball game, and I like them to cover. I, if we have uh, Spencer Adler, if we have uh, Stevenson, if we have all of our defensive players, if we have everybody that that uh, is capable of playing and all of our star players playing, I mean, I think this is a forty-five to ten ball game. Yeah, it, assuming nothing goofy. Uh, I think OU would be the pick. I kind of like the under in this game, Butter. And again, for the same, you said you know forty-five, ten, thirty-eight to ten. Um, you know that that total is pretty high. And Baylor's offense has just not been very good this year. OU's defense has continued to get better. And assuming that OU may not be at full strength, you know maybe the the play calling is a little more conservative uh, on Saturday night. Uh, sounds like Bob Stoops may be on the sidelines Saturday night too. I so read that'd be that as fun. well. He may kind of sub in well, and coach uh, help coach some defensive uh, positions. And you know, I mean, I don't know if it's because uh, we've got uh, coaches that are that have tested positive. I think for it's COVID, what it is, or yeah, yeah. if it's um, Beamer's getting a lot of uh, a lot of uh, time, and uh, he's a name for like that South Carolina job. So I mean, um, if he's been contacted and if he's uh, yeah, maybe going through interviews well, or kind of maybe interviews distracted, and, right, and, and yeah, takes yeah. a job. You know, mm-hmm. I mean. I'm assuming uh, South Carolina is wanting to make the make the transition. I would say that they probably make the transition before the season ends. That way they can recruit. And uh, right now, I mean, uh, I'm sure that there's going to be people transferring out and there's going to be people that are decommitting because of uh, the Will Muschamp firing. Yeah, it's true. I mean, the longer you let it go on, the worse it's going to be for recruiting purposes. So, yeah, all things equal, you'd like to have your guy in there as quickly as possible. So we'll kind of keep an eye on that. But it'd be fun to see Coach Stoops out there, assuming that uh, that does take place Saturday night. So, Well, Butter, let's stay in the Big 12. Another big game, West Virginia at Iowa State. Cyclones, again, coming off that huge win uh, down in Austin, essentially clinching their spot in the Big 12 championship um, at this point. So Cyclones, a six-and-a-half-point favorite here. Total 48-and-a-half, 49, depending upon your book. So, again, Vegas expecting it to be a relatively low-scoring game. Uh, but can Iowa State, can they stay focused, Butter? That's a huge win, arguably one of the biggest wins um, in the program's recent history for sure. Uh, but your thoughts on Mountaineers and Cyclones on Saturday afternoon? Man, I like Iowa State at home versus West Virginia. Um, you know, I mean, I know West Virginia, they play some defense, but uh, I think that uh, Purdy and I think that uh, Brees Hall, I mean, I think that they're – they're going to make enough plays to win the ball game, uh, and I think that they're going to cover the spread. I I, I look at the game, you know, I mean, I see, I, thirty-four to twenty-one, something like that. I mean, I think West Virginia will score uh, some points, but I mean, I I think Iowa State covers. I'm with you as well. I I think at this point they've worked too hard and they've gotten so close to to really kind of you know transforming that program and reaching some plateaus that they've never gotten to in the past. I don't see a Matt Campbell coach team throwing it away this week. I do think West Virginia is going to be game, and I think that this will be a close game. But I think Iowa State just finds a way to win close games at the end. And so I'm with you. I like the Cyclones in this one as well. A a traditional rivalry game, butter in the SEC East, is going to take place this weekend. It typically takes place in mid-September, I think. But the Florida Gators uh, heading up to Knoxville to take on Tennessee. Again, Florida, big favorite in this one, 17 points, 17 and a half, depending upon your book. Uh, the total, 62 points, roughly. Um, any chance of an upset in this one by the Vols, or do the Gators keep it rolling, bud? Man, I'm going Florida Gators all the way. I think Kyle Trask is going to have a heyday. 
along with Kyle Pitts versus the Tennessee Volunteers. I know the game is in Knoxville, but since uh, Florida lost to Texas A&M at A&M, they've been a completely different football team, and the games that they've played have not been even have not even been close. So uh, I'm I'm going go Gators on this one. I'm with you. I think. I think that Florida performance, you know, they end up pulling away in the second half against Kentucky this past week. It was sloppy and kind of ugly in the first half, and then they kind of figured some stuff out and kind of turned it on. I think that'll give Dan Mullen and in uh, the coaching staff enough um, uh, of, of, I guess, an impetus to kind of gripe and coach them up and kind of get their focus back in place uh, that they're going to be ready for this game against Tennessee. And I'm with you. I think Florida rolls in this one. I It's a lot of points. Uh, to be given up uh, to a home dog in the conference. But I think Florida's that good. And, again, I think Florida has everything to play for. And so mm-hmm. I think they know that all the eyes are on them uh, from a CFB playoff committee standpoint. So I think they're going to play well. Because if, if they keep if they win out and Alabama wins out, I mean, it's going to be them, uh, Alabama and, and Florida in the yep. SEC, SEC championship. championship. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think they both just need to win one more game. I think they both win this weekend. I think that may clinch it mathematically on that front. So they'll have some tiebreakers in place. So – uh, but staying in SEC country, butter another big game, the Aggies, Texas A&M on the road at Auburn. Uh, kind of a maybe a fishy line here. I don't know. The Aggies are six-and-a-half-point favorite. The total here, 49-and-a-half. So, again, Vegas expecting a somewhat you know cagey defensive affair. Any chance of the upset here uh, with Auburn uh, on the plains with uh, Texas A&M, bud? Man, this is another one of those games I just don't see it happening. You know, I mean, Texas A&M, I mean, they've – the opponents they've played, um, they they've kind of dominated. Um, I mean, with the exception of uh, the Alabama game, uh, you know, I mean, they're Auburn. I mean, just got blown out by Alabama, and Auburn. I mean, to me, I mean, they just don't look. They don't look as good. Uh, I know that they're five and three, and I mean, I know that they've kind of played a tough schedule. But you know, I mean, it, to me, it seems like Bo Nix. Uh, has taken a step backwards uh, from last year to this year, and you know, I mean, uh, they don't have a good don't have a good running game. It doesn't seem like, and uh, like I said, you know, I mean, just Bo Nix hasn't hasn't doesn't seem like he's been himself all year long. So, I mean, I I would lean towards Texas A and M and the points in this one. I'm going to disagree with you here, Butter. So I think you're. I think there's some value to be had on Auburn, right? So we just saw them get their butts kicked in Tuscaloosa, right? So everybody's down on them, right? A&M's you know, number five in the playoff rankings, uh, despite the fact that they had a – I don't know if I would consider it a convincing performance against LSU that this past weekend. Again, they win that game 20-7. to Again, their defense looked really, really good, but I think LSU's offense is not very good. So I'm going to take the Tigers on this one, Butter, and – I might just take the Tigers outright. I think A&M, again, we talk about it all the time. The football gods have a way of kind of evening some things out. I don't think A&M is the fifth best team in the country, and I think this may be the weekend that they fall out of the playoff picture uh, and things start to get a little clearer here two weeks from that uh, uh, final weekend, so to speak. And so uh, I'm going to take Auburn in this, in this one. Give me the six and a half, and again, I might take the Tigers on the money line straight up. Uh, I think A&M goes down this weekend, bud. So, well, let's go up to Big Ten country, Butter. We've talked about this game. We've talked about this team and kind of the tenuous position that they're in. Buckeyes heading to East Lansing to take on Michigan State, take on Sparty in those ugly-ass uniforms this week. Ohio State, big favorite here, 23-and-a-half, 24 points, depending upon your book. The total, roughly 60 points in this one. Again, Ohio State, game's getting canceled. You know, they're chomping at the bit. Head coach Ryan Day, he won't be there. 
uh, on Saturday. They've already already announced that that uh, you know his te- I guess the timing of his positive test results will ensure that he won't be able to be on the sidelines to coach the Buckeyes this weekend, assuming that the game takes place. But if Ohio State plays, they're probably going to be pissed off and they're probably going to be looking to have an impressive performance, right, Butter? But your thoughts on this one? I like Ohio State to win the ball game. But I like Michigan State to cover the points. Oh, that's a lot of points. Uh, and Michigan, Michigan State's, State's playing, been weird, right? They're kind of spooky to play. They're playing yeah. at home. So give me Ohio State to win, but uh, give me Michigan State, and I would take the points. Um, man, I think it's going to be right there around that line, but I think 24 points is a good line. I could see this being a 41 uh, to what, what would that be, 13, right, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, I, I think I think the Vegas lines are pretty good here. I think Ohio State might kind of pull away late to where I think you're right, Sparty is game uh, early in this one. Uh, and they're going to play conservative. And they're going to kind of run the clock and kind of shorten the game a little bit. And so but I think Ohio State, it's going to depend upon whether Sparty turns the ball over. Mm-hmm. If they play good fundamental football, they don't turn the ball over and get themselves at a hole. I think that they can keep this thing closer than the experts think late into the second half. But if they have a couple of turnovers early and allow Ohio State to jump on them 21 nothing. Uh, this thing can get ugly and get out of hand real quick. Right. And so, kind of, kind of a key there again. Uh, kind of a, a put. Uh, I'm wussing out there on a pick, but uh, um, I would probably lean towards Ohio State here. Uh, but I think it's going to be close. I think that line's pretty good. So, well, let's stay in Big Ten country for one more here, butter, and let's do Indiana in Wisconsin again. Ranked versus ranked matchup should be a good game on paper. Unfortunately, right, Hoosiers, you know, kind of a rough story there. They lose a star quarterback, uh, Michael Penix Jr., torn ACL. He's out for the year, obviously, and so we wish him a speedy recovery and hope he comes back uh, and plays at the same level that he was playing at uh, this year, next year, in 2021. But uh, Wisconsin favored in this one, 14-and-a-half right now. Uh, a total in this one, 45-and-a-half. So, again, Vegas not expecting a lot of points in this one. But your thoughts on Hoosiers and Badgers on Saturday, bud? Man, I like um, Wisconsin to win the ball game, but um, I like Indiana to cover the the points. I mean, I think with uh, Penix being out, I mean, it's going to look like a totally different offense. You know what Wisconsin likes to do? Wisconsin loves to run the football, pound the football. I mean, I expect it to be a low-scoring game, so, I mean, I would lean towards the uh, under a 45-and-a-half points. And then also, you know, I mean, Big Ten football, you know, I mean – it's probably going to be a, I think a seven, a seven point to ten point uh, game is what I'm what I'm expecting. I'm with you on the under. That's my best bet and pick here. I, I think the under is the play here. This has got a twenty to ten type of feel to it, right? I think both defenses are going to kind of dominate. In, in you know, Indiana is probably going to be somewhat conservative from a play calling standpoint, right? I think the kid that they have the backup is a transfer from Utah that was kind of a highly recruited kid out of California, if I'm not mistaken, but. Haven't seen them take a whole lot of meaningful snaps uh, on, on certainly on this stage. And again, Wisconsin's a big time football team. I know they had that loss against uh, Northwestern a couple weeks ago, um, and kudos to Northwestern for kind of pulling off that uh, that big win there. But I think Wisconsin will win the game again. I think that if you can get the hook, you know maybe maybe you go with the Hoosiers here. But I think it's going to be relatively close. But I like the under here. I think points will will come at a premium in this one. Uh, and again, you don't you don't ever know what the weather is going to be like in Wisconsin mm-hmm. in December as well. It may be cold and ugly up there. So, well, one more game on the board, butter. Probably the big game of the night. More more often than not, it would be again. LSU been somewhat disappointing this year and kind of kind of fell back a little bit. But number one, Alabama 
heads down to the, uh, uh, the, the swamp, so to speak, I guess in the swamp in the sense of uh, uh, Louisiana, not Florida, but to heads to Baton Rouge, right, uh, to Death Valley to take on a wounded LSU team. Again, coming off a, a tough loss to the, to the Aggies this past week. Crimson Tide, big favorite in this one, Butter. So I've seen it as high as 30 on some books. But right now, 29, 29 and a half. Uh, total here, 67 and a half. So relatively high scoring affair. But I think Vegas expects Alabama to do most of the scoring here. Any chance things get weird in Baton Rouge Saturday night, Bud? Well, I expect Alabama to win the ball game, But I'm taking LSU and the points at home. I mean, I think uh, 29 and a half, that's a lot of points. I mean, I think LSU, I mean, they're they're three and four, but I mean it's LSU versus Alabama. Um, and it's at it's at home. So uh I don't expect them to get blown out at home. Man, I like the under in this game. And I think LSU's defense is going to play well. And they're they're still gonna lose the game. I think Alabama wins yeah, this like, game. I, I think Alabama wins yeah. it. I just I mean I think LSU's still got a lot of pride. Coach O definitely has a lot of pride, right? So and he's been very defiant uh, in the face of what's been a tough season down there. Um they've had a ton of opt outs and, and just lost a ton of talent. We talked about them a lot at the beginning uh of the season uh several months ago, but I think that LSU defense will show some pride. I think they're gonna play well. And I think from an offensive standpoint, they're gonna try to you know, shorten the game and, and kind of limit the possessions that that powerful Alabama offense has. And so I love the under in this game, and I think the line is pretty close. Uh, I think it could be a 28, you know, kind of a, I don't know, uh, let's say 35 to 7, 38 to 10 type of game to where Alabama wins the game comfortably. It's never in doubt, but I don't expect Alabama to put 50 up on them either. And so I, that's why I love the under. It's probably my best bet in this one. So it's going to be fun to watch. And obviously a night game down in, uh, in uh, LSU is always fun. I mean, not going to be the same crowd uh, as what it would typically be. Uh, so probably no earthquake uh, <laughs> being registered on the uh, Richter scale as what we've seen in, in the past down there. But uh, we'll be tuning in and watching that one nonetheless. So, well, Butter, we've got to make some picks, man. Again, from a CFF uh, fantasy college perspective, you know, this is arguably the last week for a lot of leagues that are still going. So, got to give some listeners, uh, got to finish strong, give our listeners some good picks this week. And again, I got you again this past weekend, which was probably just due to Jarrett Patterson, right? So, yes. he was worth 91 points. Uh, it's hard to lose. Uh, I would have had to have screwed it up, screwed up royally. Uh, to lose uh, after picking Jarrett Patterson la- uh, last week. So so that one worked out for me. But I'll take the honors on this one, Butter. And I'll, I'll start off with my quarterbacks here. And I'm going to go Kyle Trask of Florida, which I think you have as well. We both like him against the Vols this week. And then I, from all the reports that I've seen, Butter, this game's going to take place. I think it's going to take place on Sunday now. Uh, but I'm going to go with Washington State's Jaden Delora. Again, kind of the freshman recruit there that came in. Rolovich brought him in from Hawaii. Uh, the games that he played in earlier in the season, he put up a lot of points. He looked really, really good, right? He's, he's been kind of out of COVID issues and whatnot, but it seems like he's going to play and he's going to be the starter Sunday. And I don't think that USC defense is very good. And no, so if he either. does play, I think Wazoo keeps it close. That's going to be a fun game. There's going to be a lot of points. And I like Jaden DeLara to put up a lot of points there. But who are your two quarterbacks this week, bud? Well, I like Kyle Trask versus Tennessee, and then I also like Sam Howe, uh, the North Carolina kid, versus uh, West Western Carolina. Western I think. Carolina. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they a good matchup there. You would expect, you know, again USC, uh, UNC, tough loss against Notre Dame against Notre Dame. 
pretty good this year. So, uh, but I, I was really impressed with uh, North Carolina's defense. They they kept it closer and uh, played better than maybe what I thought. And so uh, I'm with you. I think Sam Howell. It's going to be a question of how late he plays in the game, right? So he might be on the bench in the second half, but uh, he might be worth 40 points at halftime as well. So That would be pro- nice. Yeah, probably not a bad pick there. But I'm going to piggyback on that, Butter. And again, I think we're on the same page. Uh, we're both taking running back Javante Williams of North Carolina. Again, that two-headed running, uh, a rushing attack that North Carolina has thrown out there uh, all season long has been really, really good. And so I think Michael Carter is the other running back that they have. But we're both going with Javante Williams. And I'm going to take another Williams. Uh, and that's Notre Dame's Kyron Williams. Again, he came back, had a really good performance against North Carolina this past week. Notre Dame hosts Syracuse, right? It's going to be their last game. They get a bye week. They're heading into the ACC championship. So I think Notre Dame will play well. Uh, I think they'll beat up on Syracuse. And I think uh, Kyron Williams probably gets 25 carries. Wouldn't shock me if he ends up with 150 yards and two touchdowns. So that's my two running backs. But who have you got at running back this week, Butter? I like Brees Hall. Of Iowa State and Javante Williams of North Carolina. Uh, like I said, I think uh, Iowa State's going to be able to run the ball against West Virginia. Yeah, and Iowa, uh, Iowa State, Brees, uh, Iowa State's Brees Hall, excuse me, uh, one of the leading rushers in the country this year. Again, he's up over, I think, 1,300 yards on the season. Again, Texas held him under 100 yards last week. I think he was at 94 yards or something like that and had a touchdown there. Uh, but he was still really effective. And, um, yeah, you, he's, he's kind of one of the horses, right? So if you're this deep into the season and you're still competing for a championship, you get a dance with who brought you. And if Brees Hall is one of those guys, I would go ahead and trot him out there despite and the start fact. start dancing. Yeah, West. Virginia again plays playing some pretty good defense this year, but I think Brees Hall finds enough way or finds a way to get enough touches uh, to where he'll he'll be worth a lot of points. So good pick there. So well, let's go wide receivers, butter, and I'm going to go the G5 route uh, this week because I, I like some matchups that are out there. But I'm going to start off in the MAC, butter. Give me Western Michigan's uh, Dwayne Eskridge. Uh, I, I think that uh, he's had a fantastic season. Again, they're only four games into the season because of the late start for the MAG. But Western Michigan, they host Eastern Michigan, who is winless this year. And so kind of a rivalry game here. You always hear the joke about directional Michigan, right? So this is the uh, directional Michigan Bowl. But uh, I think Western Michigan's pretty good. They are the best, best team in the West uh, division there in the MAC, And I would expect them to square up uh, with Buffalo in a couple weeks for that conference championship, but I, I think uh, uh, Dwayne Eskridge has a big game in that one, so he's my first pick. And then I'm going to go down to the Sun Belt, or the Fun Belt, as uh, we like to call it around here, Butter, uh, and I am going to go with Jonathan Adams Jr. of Arky State. So again, they've had COVID cancellations and postponements out the wazoo, but it seems like they're on schedule to host Louisiana Monroe, a bad Louisiana Monroe team this week. Uh, I think he puts up a ton of stats uh, this weekend. It doesn't matter who's throwing it to him, whether it's uh, the uh, dual quarterback system there, but whoever is throwing it to – I don't know the other um, one because I have Lane Hatch. That's right. So, <laughs> yeah, he's the senior. Uh, the kid, kid. I can picture his face, but his name escapes me. But, um, but yeah, whoever is throwing the ball for uh, uh, Arky State, I like uh, Jonathan Adams to put up some big scores this week. But, uh, but who are your two uh, wide receivers this week, bud? I like Devontae Smith of Bama and Calvin Austin of Memphis. Yeah, we talked about Devontae Smith. Obviously, a good matchup against uh, LSU rivalry game there. Again, you would expect that uh, um, 
Alabama's going to be fired up for that one. And then uh, your guy, Calvin Austin, I know you've picked him a couple of times. I think Memphis is on the road against Tulane this week, right? So uh, you would assume that that's probably a tasty matchup there, and there should be a lot of points. It'd be a high-scoring affair uh, down in Nolens uh, between Memphis and Tulane in that one. So I'm, I'm with you there. But well, I'm trying to figure out a way to win. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I appreciate that, Butter. I, I, you come to win every week, man. Uh, but uh, I like the fact that I've got you on tilt a little bit, man. So I've got you three weeks in a row here. But one thing we're on the same page on, Butter, and that's tied in, and is there any reason to pick anyone other than Kyle Pitts? If Kyle Pitts isn't available, then you have to pick pick somebody else. Only but. if Florida's on a bye week. And last time I checked, they're going to go whip up on the Tennessee Vols this weekend. So fire up Kyle Pitts again. Comes back uh, after the uh, the injury. Uh, I think he was off for two or three weeks there and just puts up a, a fantastic stat line against Kentucky. Uh, he's a, a matchup nightmare. If you get him, a, I don't know if he's really a tight end or not, but I think he's just kind of a, a big wide receiver. But he has tight he's end eligibility. There. Yeah, So we're going to throw him out there. Uh, and yeah, we're on the same page there. You and I both have Kyle Pitts at tight end so fire him up if you got him uh flex position butter I'm I'm trying to get creative here right I'm getting a little cocky butter so I've got you the last three weeks in a row and so I'm, I'm gonna kind of go out on a limb here give me Texas Tech's Eric uh Azukama Azukanma a wide receiver again put up a big stat line against Oklahoma State this past weekend a loss that was kind of a wild shoot yes, out there in was. Stillwater kind of a fun game to watch but Texas Tech they have Kansas this week Kansas is not good at football, if you haven't heard, Butter. Uh, and so I would expect uh, Alan Bowman's back. Texas Tech's going to put up a lot of points. Uh, I think uh, Ezukanma gets a, his fair share of that and has another big stat line against the Jayhawks. He's my flex. Who do you have at flex this week, Butter? Well, I'm going to go with Jarrett Patterson. Probably a good pick. Buffalo, <laughs> even though it might be a week too late for the 400 yards and eight touchdowns. But, I mean, if he can get me – 150 yards, couple touchdowns, I'd be happy with that. Let's say he just does half of it, Butter. So 200 yards and four touchdowns, you'd be okay with that, right? Heck yeah, I would. So yeah, I think his last two <laughs> weeks he has over 700 yards and like uh, 12 touchdowns or something. Just an incredible. I think he's like the fourth leading rusher in the country, and he's only played four games. Right? You think about yeah. some other the Brees Halls of the world and stuff, who's played you know nine games, ten games and stuff. And I think he's a uh, he's already in the top five after a. Uh, Torrid start to the season for uh, for the Buffalo Bull there, uh, Jarrett Patterson. Yeah, probably a good pick on that one, Butter. I, I got a good one, though. For the SEC defenses, anybody that has to play Kyle Pitts, Pitts is the shits. <laughs> <laughs> he is a matchup nightmare. And, yeah, watching him on film, uh, if you're a DB in the SEC, you got to be thinking, yeah, you expect me to cover this guy? I mean, what, what the hell? What am I supposed to do here? So, well, Butter, let's go to kickers. Uh, and again, we love kickers here. Kickers are people too. Luke Roberts, former former kicker, right in, in our fantasy league, one of our, our favorite guys and a friend of the pod. So I'm going to go with Notre Dame's Jonathan Door. Right, uh, I expect Notre Dame Notre Dame to uh, to thump up on Syracuse this weekend. Um, I think they're going to put up a lot of points and to maybe even kick a couple of field goals. So so that's my guy. But uh, who do you have at kicker, Butter? Give me Grayson Atkins of the University of North Carolina. Like I said, I mean, they're playing Western Carolina. I expect there to be a lot of points scored in this game. Uh, it's a good matchup for pretty much yeah, the, everything, right? Yes, yes. Kickers, quarterbacks, running backs, defenses. I, I yes. think we're going to talk about that here in a moment. So, yeah, North Carolina against Western Carolina is is probably a decent matchup. I would agree with you on that. Uh, well, let's talk about defenses, Butter. I'm going to throw out the Georgia Bulldogs. And, again, mm-hmm. uh, they, they've – 
they are a good defense, right? They've been exposed a couple of times by Florida and Alabama, uh, but Vanderbilt is not going to be a team that exposes any weaknesses for that uh, Georgia defense. And so I think Georgia, assuming there's no goofy COVID issues or anything crazy like that, that uh, they're going to play well and they're going to beat up on Vandy. Again, Vandy, they didn't score a point last week, so uh, I like my chances there. But I'll take the Georgia Bulldogs at home hosting winless Vandy who just fired their head coach. But you're going to stick with North Carolina, right? Yeah, so, I mean, like, I had four defenses wrote down because, uh, I mean, I had Georgia wrote down. I had Texas Tech wrote down because they're playing Kansas. But I think that uh, the UNC, I mean, I think they've got the best matchup versus uh, Western Carolina. Yeah, again, should be a blowout there. So, you would expect the North Carolina defense, maybe some special teams, right? Maybe they get a punt return or a kick return uh, touchdown in there as well. So, probably not a bad pick, Butter. Well, you got you got to get off the Schneid butter again. I think I've got you three weeks in a row, man. So this might be the week that you get me. So we'll uh, uh, tune in and find out and uh, and see what happens this weekend, butter. But for our listeners out there, how can they get at you, man? I saw you sending some tweets out this past week. Uh, where you at? Social media, Twitter. Throw the handle out there for them, brother. I'm on Twitter at Jeremy underscore Van Curen or AKA the Fantasy Fessional, and that is J E R E M Y underscore V A N C U R E N. Fantastic, brother. Well, again, I appreciate you being in studio with me again this week, and I look forward to doing it next week as we recap uh, our, our uh, CFF playoffs and uh, all the action. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, next week's episode should be really, really enjoyable. So, well, while this will wrap it up for this episode, everyone, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going and to also keep up with everything we're doing o- online over at the Sports Pros Network, check us out at fantasysportspros.com or on Twitter at sports underscore pros and remember that's pros with an e p-r-o-s-e enjoy the games this week everyone we'll talk to you next week take care